0: Hey, it's so Steve Rode, your Get Out of Debt guy with getoutofdebt.org. And today, we actually have a little surprise for you. We have John Mgee, who is on the Get Out of Debt site in the UK. That's actually getoutofdebt.org.uk. John, thank you so much for joining Good morning. Us. Good morning, your time. Well, one of the things that people will notice right away is the lack of a British accent. And why is that, John? Uh, I don't know. I've lived here 16 years, and I just have not picked up a British accent. I don't think I ever will. You know, I don't know. John and I used used to work together in the U.S. And when uh, I moved to the U.K. to start uh, a debt operation in the U.K., John was uh, either smart enough or foolish enough to come on over with me. And <laughs> I left and he didn't. And that's how that went. Yeah, and out. I have to thank you for but, that all the time.
1: No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it was a,
0: it was a great opportunity. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's always frightening when you can change someone's life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to talk about some things that people here in the United States probably don't consider a lot. Uh, we feel like a lot of the things that are happening in, to the United States economy are somehow restricted to the United States, mm-hmm. but they're not. I mean, things like inflation and employment concerns and fuel prices Now, these are all things that affect people all around the world, not just in the United States. But first off, John, I want to talk to you about something I read about recently. The 50-year mortgage is coming to the UK. What do you know about
1: Um, that? I didn't know much. Um, I had to research it a little bit. Uh, When I first moved over here 16 years ago, I thought about buying a flat, a place to live. Mm -hmm. And I was told that I was too old. I was 48 then. And it was like, oh, you're too old to get a mortgage. And, um, and they were right. You know, the building societies and the banks and, and things like that were only doing like 10-year mortgages, 15 at best. I was too old. You know, that you, you had to be able to pay that, the property off before you were of retirement age, which at that time I think was 65. It's gone up a little bit now.
0: That's kind of crazy when you consider, you know, our experiences here in the United States where y- you can get a 30-year mortgage if you're 60. I I remember because uh, I did – I was an underwriter for
1: mortgages back back years ago. And I remember the mm-hmm. first time they came out with 40-year mortgages. And they were in San Francisco is when they started this because of the cost of the properties and everything. And they had to, if you want to keep the the monthly payments down, you had to do a 40-year mortgage. Um, So here, yeah, I I couldn't get a mortgage. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to buy a property here. And then about two years ago, yeah, I'm going to say two years ago, uh, the banks and building societies here extended the term on the mortgages And they had to relinquish the age restrictions. And that's just been recently. That's only been like within the last couple of years. So that somebody who is 60 or 64 in my age could get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, whether you wanted to or not, that's another story,
0: but you could. So is the logic that – Housing is becoming more unaffordable in the UK. So they're extending the the term of the mortgage. Yes, that's what the government's that's what the government
1: is looking at. They're trying to sell more properties, they're trying to get people as homeowners and property owners. The problem is as an island, we are limited by land, and there's just not that many properties being offered. And the government in the past has restricted tax laws and things like that. So it's made it prohibitive to be able to buy a property. We don't have settlement costs like you do in the United States, but but there okay. are costs that come involved with it, like tax, duty, and stamps, and things like that. And it has become prohibitive for people to be able to buy a property. And you've also got in uh, here it's called a deposit. Um, in the United States, it's called a down payment. You know, to buy mm-hmm. a property, and yeah, it's become prohibitive. It's not it's not easy. Fifty years though, I don't know. I I I see a lot of problems <laughs> with that. I. I don't know. That, that's There's inherent
0: uh, issues with that. Well, it certainly reminds me of those Japanese 100-year mortgages. That's for Yeah, sure.
1: and, and then you also talk about inheriting debt and things like that. Well, technically, yeah. you wouldn't. It might be in somebody's um, will or inheritance that you get their property. When you underwrite a mortgage, as you know, you're taking a snapshot of someone's life. You're saying, okay, yep. this is their credit score at that time or credit report, this is what they're earning at that point in time. And this is their deposit or down payment at that time. Yeah. And then you got to project that ahead 30 years. Now, trying to project ahead 50 or 100 years, it really, even projecting ahead 30 years is almost impossible. But you take it on the basis of what it is. So if somebody takes out a mortgage and it's 50 years, what are you going to do? I mean, maybe you know they pass and their children say, well, I don't really want the house. You know, <laughs> yeah, sell the house. Yeah. Or right. or maybe they say, or, or maybe the children don't qualify. You have to qualify right. and be able to pay. Or maybe they say, I can't afford to pay. You know, there's a lot of problems that are inherent with that. Um, I'm not saying no to it or trying to be negative, but I think there's just some issues that have to be sorted out. I don't see that coming
0: to be, but we'll see. John, that's a great segue. Speaking of having to sort it out and deal with it, you know, mortgage payments extending to make them smaller and more affordable. But right now, we got to talk about inflation because in the United States, we feel like inflation is being caused by our current political administration. But if that's the case, John, then why do you have inflation in the UK? Well,
1: um, that is a, a good question and funny to answer because it's like one person does not cause inflation. You know, it's a a global economy and it's just things that happen. And, you know, it's like Biden didn't cause inflation. Bojo didn't cause inflation. We came out of a Mm -hmm. pandemic and and I'm not an expert on that, but we came out of a pandemic and now a lot of businesses want to recoup custom
0: revenues that they lost. I'm curious, does the media in the UK feel like your inflation issues are related to your political administration?
1: I think in part uh, only because as a socialized country and government, people Mm -hmm. want uh, the government to respond. They want them to react. They want them to say, hey, hey, we're going to help you out. Um, Just like the stimulus checks that were issued in the United States. We're going to get some of that here. There are some people that are going to get like 600 Quid or pounds mm-hmm. in two checks between July and um, September, but it, yeah, they they want the government to respond and react a little bit more. Whereas in the United States, you know, everybody kind of stands it on their own. They're like, well, you're just going to have to deal with it and work more hours. Um, yeah, you know. So, have you noticed prices going yes. up? Yes. Yes. The, only, the well, only prices that okay. haven't gone up, Steve, are alcohol. Yeah, or alcohol. Oh. <laughs> so if you want, if you want to drink, well, you can drink. But if you want a meal, you know, all well, right, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And you know where the prices have really gone up is in the restaurants, uh, because uh, my partner and I like we used to like to go out and do things, mm-hmm. and the prices have definitely gone up. And when I say gone up, I mean like, you know, an entree might might have gone up like like two pounds, two quid. That's a sizable increase when you think about it.
0: So you think people are going to give up going out or are they just going to be more people making ends meet each month? I think it's going to be more people making ends meet each
1: month. There's not... That ties in with what the uh, work environment or job situation is in employment. A lot of people have not gone back to work. So there's, they're not still on furlough money, but they're... Receiving some sort of benefit, yeah, they're not going to have the money to be able to go out. So it's it's a double edged sword right there. Yeah.
0: And the government's talking about cutting out ninety thousand uh, government jobs in the UK, and all those people are going to have to be paid or benefits or or something. So it seems like your benefits budget is going way up. How is the government going to afford? I don't that? know, and that is bizarre. It's like all right, let's lay off
1: public sector workers. I say layoff, but they furlough or sack them, as they say here, let them go. Yeah. But then you're going to wind up paying in through the benefit system. I don't know how that's going to work out. It it doesn't make sense to me. It's almost better if you kept them on the payroll, and paid them and and got the you know the work out of them. So I don't know how that's going to work out. That's relatively new. That's that's a bit of a bizarre situation to th- when you think about that.
0: What do you think is the most pressing concern right now for consumers in the UK? Just trying to get by month to month. I mean, I'll speak from my personal standpoint.
1: My gas and electric have increased. And I've got a smart Mm -hmm. meter, so I'm monitoring it every day. You know, I'm like retentive, you know, retentive looking at, oh, how much gas have I spent? How much electric have I spent? So I think it's the month to month, day to day thing that people are dealing with. And people are actually... Going into the food stores like Asda and Tesco, and they're limiting once it reaches 30 quid, 30 pounds, they're saying, Stop. I'm not buying anything more. Um, Even though they might have more waiting to go through the till and be scanned because they can't afford it. So I think it's the day to day that people are dealing with. It's starting to rise. It's not just within people that are on benefits and things like that, Mm -hmm. it's
0: people that are working. And, and our are you know earning wages and stuff like that well that grocery story that you yeah. mentioned uh, that that really resonates with me because I remember as a child uh, going in with my my mom to the grocery store and yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, cut it off there. And then you had to like walk away in shame and leave. all Yeah. The, the walk stuff. of shame. Yeah. That's always
1: a, <laughs> you know, Oh, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't get my chocolate chip cookies, you know? I didn't get-
0: <laughs> oh, and the best was when somebody was in front of you and they were going, no, wait, this, no, no, this, no, this, no. This. Yeah. That was, yeah. And they're, <laughs> and they're taking the time, you know, it's like, well, I just want to get through, but yeah. Yeah. I, we've all been there. You've watched people do this at the till at the grocery yes. store. What's the – I'm curious. Is it still the same walk of shame or no, it's, are people it's, just accepting? No,
1: it's different. It's different in in England. People are a little bit more um, understanding, I guess. And yeah. and then there's somebody like me who says, well, how much more is that? And they say, well, it's like five or six pounds. And I'm like, go. I'll just pay it. Can, here, can, here, I'll give you the money. Don't – or I'll put it yeah. – you know move the barrier thing and put it in mine and then I'll give it to him you know and yeah. it's like i i can afford something and i can't afford the other i just do it i, I don't know
0: you're a good man john i don't Embi- know about that so do you still have those uh electric or gas meters where you actually put the money in yes. isn't that bizarre <laughs> that
1: is like what are those those called uh they're just called a, a gas and electric meters <laughs> i don't know what else. yeah i
0: mean and you actually put you the put money a pound in the in. meter
1: <laughs> and and then you see it and it registers and then you've got a pound worth of electric or gas. And um, uh, it, it's just so bizarre. Uh, and then people will rob them because they know there's yeah, like 10 imagine. quid in there and they'll like bust it open and rob them. And that's that's bad. But I'll, I'll tell you a funny story if, if you want to hear it. So I, I moved right. from my old flat to this flat and my old flat had a card. And it wasn't that you put money in the meter for the electric. You take this mm-hmm. this like, it was like a credit card out and you mm-hmm. take it to the shop and you top it up with 10 pounds and you put it in. And then I had 10 pounds okay. worth of electric. So I moved from there and I left like eight pounds of electric on it so that the person that moved in would have some electric. And I moved into the flat I'm in now. This is like five years ago. I okay. get a bill from British Gas that I owe 5300 pounds <laughs> in electric. And I know, I'm thinking to myself, how do I owe 5300 pounds? <laughs> so I phone up the you know BT and the and the collection company and everything. I said, "Look, yeah. I had a card, I couldn't go over. It was pay as you go is what they call it. How yeah, do I yeah. owe that kind of money? Well, it's just what the meter read. Well, apparently somebody had tapped into the meter. A- after you were yeah, gone. yeah, and I showed them everything, and they said, "Okay, you don't owe the money," and you know, thank you very much. It's the adult issues you have to deal with, uh, especially living in another country.
0: Oh, and and the thing that always uh, amazed me was the TV tax. Oh, you don't even. Win. I pay thirteen pound fifty a month now, just for the tax. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first got to the UK and I bought a TV and had to. Register and pay the first year of T. It was probably 20, it was when about 25 I bought the TV. pounds then. Probably. Yeah. A year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh I don't know if it was you or, or that was that me. Was I didn't have
1: a TV. <laughs> if you remember, when I first moved here, I was I refused to have a TV. So they kept sending me notices and they have trucks that go around to try to find out if you have a TV in your house. And then yeah. they sent me like threatening notices. I called them the T V police. And I didn't have a TV. Eventually, it got to the point where I was like, why don't you come in my flat, see where I live, Yeah, because I'm going to burn your head out, because I don't have a TV, (laughs) I need some company. And they left me
0: alone. (laughs) If you don't have a TV, but you only stream, do you still have to pay TV? Yeah, if you want to watch like BBC iPlayer or the catch-ups and stuff, you do, yes. What is your tax situation over there? Are
1: you paying out the buck? No, actually, I'm in a good... Uh, I'm in a good situation. I'm probably at at around, I'm going to say 35 to 40% of my income goes to taxes, but I am not working full time and Mm -hmm. I'm not earning like the big bucks, as they say. I'm not earning the the mega wage. Now, if you start to breach like 75, 90,000 pounds a a year, you're going to start hitting a little bit of a higher range. The government's tried to make some changes to that. But yeah, you, the tax situation, I don't, I've never had a problem with the tax situation here. And you have to remember your health care is included in the taxes you pay. Your taxes are broken into two situations. You pay tax to the government and you pay NI, mm-hmm. uh, national insurance. When you look at it and you can go to a doctor anywhere and everything like that, depending what your health care might cost you in the United States, it's not bad. I, I don't see the tax situation as bad now, if you start making a lot of money, then yeah you're gonna you're gonna be paying some taxes. But when you include the health care in that, it's not so bad and I hear about what
0: some people are paying for health care in the United States. Oh John, know. get ready All for right. this for Pam and I yeah, we pay eighteen hundred dollars a month. No way for health. insurance. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is like off the chart. I I know. Ah. I know. and that's what employers here are absorbing for their employees. Yes, they have to. Yes, I private pay for my health insurance, and and that's what it costs me. And so when I when I hear people in the United States bitch and complain about uh, the NHS, right, and your your medical situation in the UK, I think, oh, you know, I can stand in line for a little bit or wait a little bit and save two grand a month. I'm perfectly fine well, with that. You, you bring up two, two points. First off, yes, that's, th- I think that's ex-
1: expensive and excessive. But at the same time, if you needed a doctor and you went to your doctor, he would see you right away because he knows he's going to get paid right away. Here, you do have to wait and the wait can be substantial when I say substantial, I mean like it can be like weeks or months. Um, to see your GP? Uh, no, I can see – the GPs, they'll talk to me over the phone and then if they think that it's important. And we have a lot of self-help places too where you go in and you get like a little physical thing done, all AI, computerized. Um, yeah. and, and so I've done that a couple of times. I went and saw my GP last week. And they they put through a bunch of blood tests for me and everything because of my age, and yeah, I'm gonna have that done on Thursday. But I had to make an appointment for it. Whereas usually, like my cholesterol and stuff like that, I could have done at any time. I could just walk in. So there is good points and bad points about that. Yeah, uh, that's that is a that's a bit excessive to have to pay. There are delays well, here. A- there are delays here with surgeries and things like that. And COVID yeah. has caused that to be pushed back. So.
0: You know, there, it's been a few years, but uh, when I was there with you, yeah. we had four people. We paid for private health insurance on top of the NHS. Yeah, you paid
1: for Bupa for me.
0: Right, yeah. So that you could go to a private hospital or a private doctor yeah. or whatever. And for four employees, it cost – because I just saw the an invoice for it the other day. For four employees, private health insurance in the UK cost – 280 pounds a quarter. Oh, that's so cheap. (laughs) Not a person, not a month, for four people for every four months, it was 280 pounds. That's amazing. Uh, There's no way you could get (laughs) anything like that, you know, even then in the US. I've I've considered some private health care here now because
1: as I get older, I just don't think I could afford it. I don't know what it would be. I'd have to look more into it. But yeah, that was cheap. I remember when you came to me and you said, Are you using this health insurance? And I'm
0: like, no. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that I actually ever used the private stuff either. Yeah. Because I, everything that I did was through the NHS. And, you know, since we're telling stories, my very first moment when I walked into the off our UK office, a mutual friend of ours and I shared the same Mm -hmm. office. He said to me, I think I'm having a heart attack. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. I went, let's go to the hospital. So we got in the car and raced over to the emergency room and went in and they saw him right away and they ran all sorts of tests and everything else. The doctor comes and says, Okay, well I think you're okay and you're you're okay to leave. We're standing there and the doctor goes, you're American, right? Yeah, <laughs> I said, yes. She goes, yeah, there's no bill. You you just need to leave now. Yeah. I
1: know. I know.
0: <laughs> and they'll actually pay your taxi fare and everything like that. And you know, it's like, if you need to go to the hospital, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, my GP, when I lived there, he would go like, well, first off I had like two really crummy GPs that I, we just hated each other. Um, but my last one, when you called, he would say like, do you need me to come by your house?'" You know, they they actually still made house calls. I, I don't think they they do house calls
1: anymore. <laughs> I think they've they've given up on that. I think
0: uh, COVID kind of took took over with. Me. Well, that's true. The last thing that I want to talk about is you don't have a car. No,
1: you know? I do not. I I had a car up until a couple of years ago, and I sold it because my partner had a car, and at sixty, mm-hmm. I got a bus pass. So I really I can. Get on the bus, and I can get on the trains, and I can do anything I want to within Merseyside uh, for free. So why bother? And then, like I said, my partner has a pass, uh, a car, and I, I have a full driver's license, so I can drive anywhere I want to. But mm-hmm. I haven't driven in
0: four years. Is the the cost of gas over there is going way, way up? Oh, it's I don't think that people people here in the United States can appreciate that you're paying. Close to nine dollars a gallon. If not there. more. Uh diesel
1: is almost two pounds a liter. Petrol is like a pound seventy. Oh no, I take that back. A petrol is like a pound eighty now a a liter. So you figure four liters is a gallon a little over four liters is a gallon if you do the exchange rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's expensive. There's there's no doubt about that. How are people managing they're not driving. They're, they're going to take, they're taking public transport or they're trying to work from home as much as they can, but it doesn't help your insurance. So now we have pay as you drive insurance. Oh my God. So <laughs> you, you, I know, I know. It's, it's like if if you, if you create a, a mouse trap, you get a smarter mouse. Um, yeah. So people are driving less and they're like, well, can I cut my insurance? Well, if you drive less than 6,000 miles a year, yes, your insurance mm-hmm. is going to be low. But people are like, well, I only drive like you know a hundred miles a month, you know. So the insurance companies now have responded to that to try to make it so people only pay what they drive. And you have those telemetric boxes now, that they the black yeah. boxes they put in the cars. So do you get a bill at the end I of the don't, month? You know or what? How that's a good driven? question. I don't know how they they bill for that. Um, might be estimated, and then they reconcile it at the end of six
0: months or something like that. I don't know. It's it's very new. Over here the in the U.S., if you're a drone pilot, you can actually get uh, insurance as you fly coverage, and you just go onto a website and you go, I'm going to fly in this location for this amount of time, and then you pay the premium for that flight. So, so you have to pay insurance be, to be a drone pilot? Well, I mean, if you don't want to get your ass sued off. I guess um But- but I, I, I it would be funny in the UK if you actually could, like, have an app and go, I, I'm getting in my car now. <laughs>
1: yeah. They <You> do. Know? <laughs> they actually have applications you put on your phone, and you put your phone in the uh-huh. car, and you set it on the okay. cradle or whatever, and yeah. then it monitors your driving and your mileage and everything like that. Hey, here's a quick question. What does it cost for yeah. commercial pilot's insurance
0: to fly? So I just sold an airplane. The, the, the reason I, I hesitate is because, um, as a pilot myself, mm-hmm. I, I had two airplanes. Mm-hmm. One uh, was, it's a 1973 Cessna, and I pay about $2,000 a year okay. for on that one for a million-dollar coverage. I just recently uh, bought an amphibious plane. That insurance coverage, this was a, a new plane, mm-hmm. and that insurance coverage was 10 grand a Jeez. year. I sold the plane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say,
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a really good question because that was for the the full insurance package was 10 grand a year or I could get liability insurance only for $1500, but if the plane was involved in any sort of accident or damage or anything, right. I had no coverage. Right. So I could self-insure and save some money, but I was really leaving myself out there, mm-hmm. you know, very exposed in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do with a a broken hundred and you know, what was it, a hundred ninety thousand dollar plane? Here's my hunk yeah, of junk. Yeah, leave it here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's it's expensive. I mean, uh, aviation fuel over here right now is eight fifty a gallon at uh, my local airport. Commercial airlines are buying it, on fuel futures, so I hope. Yeah, oh yeah. Commercial airlines. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, they're getting cheap gas right now because it wasn't that much a year, or eighteen months ago when they were buying it. It'll go up, prices are all going up. And of course flying over here in the United States is just becoming the flying bus. It's I know. I a, a less uh attractive experience. I know. It's not fun here either. It's um flying here
1: has become a chore. And you know as as well as I do, you could fly from Manchester to Philadelphia every mm-hmm. day. And it was relatively cheap. Uh, Now you have to go to Manchester, fly to Heathrow. And from Heathrow, go to whatever your destination is. And Heathrow is a nightmare. When I look at flights now to come to the United States, I look at going from here to Mm -hmm. uh, go east into some European country, like Shiftshaw in Amsterdam or Belgium or something like that. And then yeah. flying into the United States, really—that's less expensive. Uh, it's less stressful. The expense okay. isn't so bad. The last time I flew to the United States, I flew Manchester to Brussels, Belgium. Brussels, Belgium to Montreal. Montreal to Philadelphia. Oh, my I know, God. I know. And you talk about, you know, but it was it was cheap, and it was just easier than trying to go through Heathrow. Heathrow's a nightmare. They give you like a thirty-minute window to get from you know terminal three to terminal five,
0: and it's like it takes fifty minutes to get there, and you're like, I'm not gonna make it. And then you also have those central waiting areas, so then even when they announce your your gate, you still got a thirty-minute walk to the damn yeah, gate. Yeah, it is. It's it's terrible. So flying, I, and I
1: joke about this: the golden age of flying has flown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's gone. It's just not oh, international yeah. travel is just not that fun. So it's it's the same in the states. It's the same here. If you want to go from somewhere here over to Europe, it's a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Flights are, and flights are relatively cheap still.
0: Um, well, you got the Ryanair and the EasyJet. Uh, uh, oh, Ryanair is a nightmare. Don't get me started on that. Ryanair is a nightmare. and EasyJet's great. Y- the thing about it, do they still start at a pound or something like that? Uh, they were. They're not so much anymore. But you can find like
1: nine pound 99 flights. And things like yeah. that. You know what I so, love? Uh, you could fly out of John Lennon Airport in Liverpool and fly into Newark mm-hmm. for like 99 pounds one way. So it would be like 188 Jesus. pounds return. This is back when uh, you were over here and we were, but then they found out that the airlines wasn't servicing the planes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they shut that. the CAA here, which is the, uh, the FAA there. <laughs> the CAA shut that down pretty quick. You know, it was like, <laughs> wait a minute! Didn't I take that flight? <laughs> um, but yeah, you can fly. You can fly east. You can get uh, flights to go to like Amsterdam, Belgium, Paris, and stuff like that. Still, twenty like flying to Belfast.
0: What? It's like flying to Belfast. I mean, it's you thirty could, minutes. You could always, and yeah.
1: I've gotten flights yeah. to Belfast uh, from you know from here. Uh, takes thirty minutes, and you can do it sometimes for like nineteen pound. You know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and those flights are not disrupted. The flights out of Manchester and Heathrow and stuff like that, you do not want to have to check a bag. It, it's mm. not pretty. You know, when you look at these uh, photos of hundreds and hundreds of bags that are sitting there, you, you just don't want to
0: check a bag. All right, John, let's talk. Constant. Let's wind this up because uh, we could reminisce all day long and nobody wants to hear our story. I don't know. They might, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay. One last plain yeah. story. All right. You'll appreciate this one. So I was flying from the United States back to England, and my flight went from D.C. to Stansted, which is outside London. Was it Dulles Not that you beach. came out of? Because, yeah, yeah it would it be Dulles Yeah, Dulles to Stansted. Yeah. We fly all the way from Dulles to England, and there's bad weather, and they can't land at Stansted. Hmm. So they, they announced that we're going to land at another airport, and we're going to wait for the fog to lift. So we're going to be delayed. They go and land at Manchester. Okay. They don't have a gate, so they have to park the plane, you know, somewhere. And they park the plane near the long-term parking lot. Right. And Jot, I look out the window... There's my damn car. <laughs> oh, now that's a, that's a great story. I love that. It's right next to the If pack, you just let me off here. I can... That's what I said. I said, is there any chance I could get off this plane right here? My car is right there. Nope. Uh... We can't let you off the plane. <laughs> so we sat there for three hours. Then we flew from Manchester to Stansted. And then I had to get a train back to Manchester. (sighs) Anyway, uh, let's get back to UK debt for a second. What do you hear people saying? You hear anybody bitching and complaining about money, credit and debt in the UK these days? I don't hear too
1: much. Uh, What I hear is a lot of people that um, they're just struggling and they're struggling Mm -hmm. with everyday bills, like, you know, paying their gas, their electric food and things like that. And I also hear a lot about people that um, have returned to the UK from other countries that have left def- debt in other countries, and oh, that's yeah. a whole other subject. As you know, we've dealt with that, oh, especially like Saudi Arabia, yeah, the UAE, and everything like that. We've oh we've God. we've dealt with that for years, and um, that's that is a whole other. But people are there's just struggling um, with petrol being as high as it is, with food prices going up. They're just trying to deal with the day-to-day bills. I mean, wages aren't
0: going up the same amount.
1: No, unless you strike. BA is going to go on strike, British Airways. Mm -hmm. Uh, The railways went on strike. I heard that uh, British Telephone, BT, is going on strike. I haven't seen that Mm -hmm. yet, but they're all going on strike. It's it's like the summer of discontent, and it's like personally me – I'm like, well, you have a job. Why can't you just sort it out while you're working, you know? But they they don't, yeah. and they just they go on strike, and they and then people don't like them. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I don't like rail workers because they went on strike and I can't get A to B. I don't like BA because they're on strike and I can't get my baggage, you know, or I don't like BT. Yeah. And it's like you can sort it out, just might not be as sorted as you wanted. You might not get the 13% or 14% increase in wages that you want but you might get 5 or 6 and i realize inflation is 8 or 9 but you have a job my personal belief is do your job and take what they give you and you ha- you have to suffer through what you have to suffer through which may not be the best perspective to have i don't know when you put other people and i don't want to say at risk but you you start having other people
0: involved in your work by striking they're not going to like you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, on a bus note, you mentioned that you have a bus pass now that you're an old fart. Yeah, and how much is that bus free. pass? Oh my god, free is free.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like it's it's like as soon as I turned sixty, I had to get a photo taken. I put that application in, and bada boom, bada bing,
0: it came back, and I was like, hello, free. So. All in the whole Liverpool area, you have free bus Merseyside. and all of Merseyside. Train, Merseyside I have free travel.
1: I know, I love it. Yeah, you just flash the pass. You know, the only problem is that I, I still look kind of young for my age. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. not to describe myself, but my hair is all silver and gray, or whatever. I do look my age, but nobody gives up, none of these young people give up their bus seat for me or anything. <laughs> and um, but I put that pass down. And the drivers are like, you know, they they understand, they know, you know, what's going on. Yeah, but yeah, free is free. I I travel for free around Merseyside. So.
0: Well, that's a benefit.
1: I you. think so. I th- well, I paid into the tax stamp enough.
0: All right. Well, in closing, what is the uh, the one thing you want to leave people with when it comes to UK debt? Something that you are seeing that you are writing about on the Get Out of UK website, or something that is uh, evolving right now? What's the burning topic? I
1: think there's going to be a um, a surge in bankruptcies and insolvencies that's coming up because you know as well as I do, people hang on, you know they mm-hmm. struggle, and that struggling at some point has to reach a critical mass, and I think that we're going to see a, a surge in insolvencies. And over here we have debt relief orders for now thirty thousand pounds and under mm-hmm. bankruptcies, obviously. Token payment arrangements have become more the norm and they're going to explode where people are going to actually have to final, finally realize, hey, I, I I just can't do this anymore. I can pay a pound a month to my credit cards, but at some point I'm going to have to resolve this and I think we're going to see a surge in insolvencies.
0: And John, we're we're old enough now that we have probably seen two or three of these cycles in our lifetime. Yes. It's always the same it thing. Is. It is. And yet every time people are surprised. I know. We
1: all go into debt, then we have to get out of debt. And then we all go into debt again,
0: and then we get out of debt. Well, and that's that's the whole purpose of bankruptcy yes. is to, to clean out all the, the dead debt that's never going to get paid that weighs people down yes. and get them back to being able to consume again because we're consuming. Exactly. If we don't consume, <laughs> the economy doesn't doesn't move along. And you're right. That's exactly the best way to put it. John answers all the UK debt questions. If you have a question you want to ask John about UK debt, go to getoutofdebt.org.uk. Till next time, remember, practice safe debt. Thanks, John. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.